I will be continuing on in the personalities surrounding the birth of Jesus Christ, and today we're just going to come to that principal character, Mary, the mother of Jesus. So if you will look with me at Luke 1, 26 through 38. The Bible says it this way. In the sixth month, God sent Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be, but the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. Let's pray. Our most gracious Father, we are just overwhelmed by you coming in the form of a human and living among us that we could behold your glory as of the only begotten Son of God. Lord, it goes beyond what we can comprehend with the depth of your grace, your mercy, the fact that you, holy God, who created the universe, would be willing to come into this world, Lord Jesus, and bring us into a relationship with you. So, Father, open our hearts and minds and help us to believe in you and you alone. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, you know, we we Baptists aren't real good about talking about Mary. We really aren't. We react to the, uh, I guess, the overemphasis of Mary in the birth situation. Because there's there's two extreme schools of thought. There's one on the higher, more formal uh, Christian pursuit that says Mary should be almost idolized. You know, you see the Mary Queen of the Universe, and she's put on an equal plane, level or equal with Jesus, her son. And then there's that opposite that says that she's just another person. Let's just don't uh, have any type of... of credibility given to her other than the fact that she was simply a person that God used. I want to bring us into kind of a center point here because there are three things that I want to leave with you today. First of all, we see about God's grace. Mary was greeted by Gabriel and said, favored one. In verse 28, he said, 
greetings you who are highly favored. And then in verse 30, he says it again, you have found favor with God. That word favored one literally means endowed with grace. Everyone here and everyone who views this particular message understands that we have all been endowed with God's grace. All of us, not a single one of us deserve God's favor. But because He is God and He is a God of grace, He extends it to those of us that He desires to do so. Well, Mary, I mean, I look at Mary as a person. Of all the people in the world, you probably wouldn't pick her out. Of course, I wouldn't have chosen those 12 disciples either, but that's just me. That's another sermon. Mary in the Hebrew literally means bitter myrrh. Now, can you comprehend the circumstances surrounding the birth of this this girl whose mother would name her bitter myrrh? Well, there are some theologians that believe that her parents died when Mary was a young girl, quite a young girl. And at this particular time, she was probably somewhere between the ages of 13 to 15 uh, because that was the age that girls would marry in that culture in that day and age. And so we see Mary, bitter myrrh, the circumstances of her birth, and here she is in a city, a village called Nazareth. Now, the Galilean region was held in disrepute by those in Jerusalem. They just didn't think Judah was a very kosher place because of its contact with a lot of Gentile tourists and passers-by. Nazareth was on a, on a uh, bypass that was uh, heavily traveled at times. And so they just disdained the entire region. Even Nathaniel, one of the disciples, asked if anything good could come out of Nazareth. Well, well, could it and did it? Absolutely. So we see with Mary, and, and here she was. She called herself a handmaiden, which is the lowest on the rung of female slaves. She referred to herself that way. So we know that she, she was poor. All the people in that region in that day and age were somewhat impoverished. I mean, there were just a few elite, rich people there. And a lot of it was due to the fact that that country was occupied by the Roman government. Roman soldiers were everywhere. And they, the taxes were levied by Rome itself. They were trying to, had to underwrite their military exploits, not to mention their government expansion. And so they were taxing the people who needed to be taxed least. She was betrothed to a man named Joseph, a carpenter. He wasn't a very wealthy person either. In fact, he was probably on on the lines of poverty. And so we come to realize through all of this that that when God calls people, we've seen it through Zechariah, we've seen it through Elizabeth, we have seen it already through Joseph, It's not that God favors the rich or the talented or the attractive. 
but treats everyone equally. And it's when God visits His favor on somebody, it's His grace that picks us, not because we're talented, not because we're the best looking, not because we're the, the most intellectual or any of these things. God places His favor on those whom He so desires. And this is Mary. Wow. I like what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians. For he says it this way. Think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before Him. Well, you and I can have that same experience, I think, in our lives. God chose us. Well, I can't tell you why God chose me exactly. It's just that He did. And for that, I'm ever so grateful. Well, Chuck Swindoll puts it this way. He says, when it came time for God to send his son to earth, he did not send him to the palace of some mighty king. He was conceived, conceived in the womb of an unwed mother, a virgin, who lived in the lowly village of Nazareth. In choosing those who would re represent Christ and establish his church, God picked some of the most unusual individuals imaginable. Unschooled fishermen, a tax collector, a mystic, a doubter, and a former Pharisee who had persecuted Christians. He continued to pick some very unusual persons down through the ages. In fact, he seems to delight in such surprising choices to this very day. So let God be God and expect the unexpected. Well, amen to that, Chuck. So it's God's grace, hail favored one, the person upon whom God has placed his favor. But then there are our doubts. Look at verse 29. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. She would say, pregnant? How could that be? Verse 34, she said, how will this be since I am a virgin? Now, these doubts, one writer has said, that wouldn't have been my question. How could this be since I'm a virgin? She's never been with a man, never held a man. A man's never held her. She was betrothed, engaged to Joseph. But this writer says, for me, the question wouldn't be, how can I get pregnant? The question would be, why me? Why now? Why here? Why? Why didn't you not go down the street to that other good-looking gal who is likewise unattached? She's unmarried and not betrothed. Why didn't you go to this other girl, perhaps, who is a lot more intelligent than I am, a lot more capable, and this person is active in the synagogue, and why, why don't you use her? There's a lot of questions that we ask about why. But she finally comes to that place in verse 38. 
where she says, I am the Lord's servant. I am the Lord's servant. Wow. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. Joan of Arc put it this way. I shall only last a year. Use me as you can. Well, in your heart and mind, when God called you as a believer, did you have doubts? Did you have questions? Did you ask, why me? Maybe he's called you to a specific ministry or a particular service of of some kind, and you're wondering, why me? Why now? Why here? And God just says, why not? my call. I choose the weak things of the world to confound the strong. You know, I choose the base of the simple things of the world to confuse those who are complex. And so God chooses us because of his own grace, because of his own choosing. Well, there was God's confirmation. I want you to see in verse 36, the Bible says that The angel said, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who was said to be barren, is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. Confirmation. You get confirmation. She got confirmation. Immediately, or or very soon after the angel left her, she went to Elizabeth's house, her cousin to see if this was really true. Because Elizabeth was supposedly beyond childbearing age. And they were elderly, and they had given up hope up until that point of ever having a child. And yet, this angel is telling her that her cousin is pregnant? Got to go see that. And so the Bible says she went to Elizabeth and Zachariah's house and stayed with them for three months until John was delivered. This confirmation, uh, the, the beauty of that. When I, when I look at this, the Bible says at that time Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. The first person to greet Jesus was an unborn child. I want you to just think about that one. Is that cool or is that cool? So not only did Elizabeth's condition confirm God's word to Mary, but the unborn child in Elizabeth's womb likewise did the same. The Bible said the Holy Spirit came upon Elizabeth. Wow. And then there was the angel that appeared to Joseph. We don't know where in this process, but we assume after she came back home after three months away, and confirmed the same thing that he had confirmed to Mary. And then there were the shepherds. Talk more about them next week. But they came in from the field and they began to talk about this heavenly assortment of angels that appeared to them and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill to men. I bring you good news, great joy. There shall be born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Wow. You'll find this baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. They went off and 
and found this child. And they began to relate to Mary all of these things. And Mary pondered them in her heart. It was confirmation. Then there were these wise men that came from afar and presented gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And then there was Simeon and Anna, two of my favorite characters. Let me bring your attention to them. In chapter 2, verse 28 and following, the Bible says, now there was, backing it up to verse 25, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ, the Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required. Eight days after birth, that was the law. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, and you now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all the people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. And then the Bible continues by saying, the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Confirmation, folks. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, the mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Wow. Then there was this prophetess Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. God's confirmation. I, I shared in the earlier service that there was a time When I was in the army, I felt very strongly that God was calling me into the pastorate, not into any other kind of ministry or service, but I felt strongly that God was calling me into the pastorate. And I called my pastor at that time and asked him if I could come by and talk to him. And he said, sure, this was a Sunday afternoon, come on by. And so I went, knocked on the door, he opened it up, and he said, I know why you're here. I said, you do? Why do you think I'm here? He said, I want to hear it from your lips. And so we sat down, and I said, I just feel God's calling me into the pastor. He said, I knew it. I said, so there's no revelation here. That, uh, and he said, no, but I, the Lord has really spoken to me about this. Confirmation. And sometimes you'll go back in your life, and you'll look back in your childhood, and somebody will look at you and say, I knew that's what you were going to be doing. I knew that's what your destiny was. I knew that's what God was leading you to do. It just took you a lot longer to figure it out. Confirmation. Elizabeth's condition, Elizabeth, John's 
leaping in her womb, the angel appeared to Joseph, the shepherds, the wise men, Simeon, Anna, because he said nothing is, is impossible with God. Wow. We must put ourselves in the hands of God. You're, you're looking at this place where uh, maybe you're, you're having a struggle with God even using you. You're, you're thinking, but he does, not with my background, not with the things that I've done, the things that I think, the kind of person that I know that I am, surely God wouldn't use me. You know? I've always felt fish and loaves aren't really impressive by themselves. But in the hands of Jesus, they're miraculous. Oh, God can use anything he wants to use. He wants to make a donkey talk, he can do it. I have no doubt about that in my life. You know? And so we put ourselves in the hands of the Lord. We say, along with Mary, may it be to me, as you have said, I am the Lord's servant. Do you feel that way about the Lord? When you finally come to that place where you, where you just yield completely everything about yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ, it's like a weight of the world is lifted from your shoulders and you say, may it be to me as you so desire. Whatever you want, Lord, that's what I want to be. That's, that's me. And you may not recognize that person at first. Some of your former friends may not recognize you. But God begins to work in us a work that begins to be molded into his image. I like what Max Lucado says at this point. He says, there are many reasons God saves you to bring glory to himself, to appease his justice, to demonstrate his sovereignty, but one of the sweetest reasons of God, that God saved you is because he is fond of you. He likes having you around. He thinks you're the best thing to come down the pike in quite a while. And if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. If he had a wallet, your photo would be in it. He sends you flowers every spring and a sunrise every morning. Whenever you want to talk to him, he'll listen. He can live anywhere in the universe, and he chose your heart. And the Christmas gift he sent you in Bethlehem, face it, friend, God's crazy about you. Well, this faith produces joy. I want you to look at Mary's, what's the Latin translation is called the Magnificat, and that word literally means magnify the Lord. But you see what she says. Blessed is she who has believed what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. Why is Mary blessed? Elizabeth nailed it. She believes that what has been, the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. And the question is to you and me, do we believe that? Do we believe that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him, do I believe that? Do I really believe that? I believe it will be accomplished. Will be saved. Whosoever believes in him will be saved. Wow. I believe that. When Jesus said to my Father's house are many mansions, I go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. Do I believe that? Do I believe all of the promises when God, when Jesus says I'll never leave you nor forsake you? 
I will be with you until the end of this age. Do I believe that? Do I believe that all power in heaven and earth is given unto Him and that I have access to that power? I believe that. And the Bible says, Blessed is she or he who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. There's joy. Faith produces joy. It produced it in Elizabeth. It, it produced it in John in verse 41 and 44 when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting. The baby leaped in her womb. And verse 45 said, The baby in my womb has leaped for joy. And in Mary, look at this magnificent, my soul glorifies the Lord. She didn't understand it. She was still a virgin. None of this had made a lot of sense to her. And yet now it was becoming clarified. The Bible says every time something happened in the life of Jesus, we see it in her scrapbook because she's pondering these things in her heart. My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. He has been mindful of the humble state of His servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, she said. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. His mercy extends to those who fear Him. From generation to generation, He has performed mighty deeds with His arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones. He has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things. He has sent the rich away empty. He has helped His servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as He said to our fathers. Wow. Do you believe that God is merciful to you? Do you believe that God's grace and His favor rest upon you? Oh, I do. I do. And for that reason alone, I'm not willing to do anything purposely to bring disrepute to Him. Hmm. You know, the interesting thing, Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting. She was filled with the Holy Spirit. And in a loud voice she proclaimed, Blessed are you among women. Notice that she didn't say, Blessed are you, Mary, greater than women, nor lesser than women, but among women. We are satisfied with being blessed among others. In our heart, in our mind, we are satisfied to just receive the grace of God and know that His favor rests upon those of us whom He has called. Where are you today in all of this process? Has the Lord called you to do something? Maybe, you, maybe you're still struggling. Maybe you're reacting like Mary did, and understandably so. Maybe you just don't feel that you're the person for the job. You're not up to the task. You just, you're like Moses. God told Moses to go to Pharaoh. Moses said, uh, excuse me? Aaron? Now he's the talker. Aaron? Maybe Moses had a speech impediment. Maybe he stuttered. Maybe spoke with some kind of problem. Maybe he just wasn't a public spokesman at all. He said, take Aaron. He's the guy that's glib. He's the one that has that, that gift of of Gab. He's the man. Take him. God said, I didn't call him. I called you. 
And then he says to Moses, you've heard me say this before, and you'll hear me say it again. If I made you, Moses, and I made the mouth that went into your face, basically is what he's saying, do you think I can make the words come out of your mouth? So stand before Pharaoh, and I'll tell you what to say. He tells me that every Sunday, every Wednesday. Son, don't get too full of yourself. Just stand up, speak up, shut up. I've got this. And I say to the Lord, thank you. I'm here. So sometimes the most difficult thing for us is to just simply show up and then speak up for the Lord's behalf. Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Let's just simplify it. God loves you as much as he has ever loved anybody else on the face of this earth. He doesn't love you more in the future than he loves you now, which means there's nothing you can do to make God love you more than he loves you now. So the, we understand by grace are you saved through faith, it is, and that not of yourself it is the gift of God and not of works. All you legalists out there, if you're out there, I feel for you, and I pray for you. Because to be a legalist means that you haven't really grasped the full concept of grace. Grace is something we don't deserve. God loves you as much as he has ever loved anybody in spite of ourselves sometimes. And he'll never love you more in the future than he loves you today. And then God has a plan for your life. If you can say along with Mary, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me, as you have said, God will use you for his glory. Let's pray. Our most gracious Father, we know there are those here today who have never trusted you as their personal Lord and Savior. Lord God, I just pray that today that they will open their hearts and ask you to come in. I know there are those who have been reluctant for some reason or another to serve you in faithfulness. Lord, today, I just pray that, that that individual or individuals will just simply say, Lord, I am your servant. Allow it to happen to me as you so desire. So, Lord, be with these decisions. There are those in the congregation today that are looking for a church home. I pray that they'll find it here. And, Lord, for all of us, forgive us for our reluctance, for our doubts, for our fears, and, Lord, replace it with joy that comes through believing. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand and sing the hymn of invitation, and I'll be here at the front to pray with you about whatever decision the Lord lays on your heart.